0: Thank you, and you can have a seat and open your Bibles or Bible apps, however you prefer, to the book of Revelation as we continue there in our series we're calling, we call it 2020. And uh, where we started at the very beginning of the, of the Bible and we've been walking through and tracing the one scarlet thread of the gospel throughout. Uh, so... Um, We spent several weeks in the first few chapters here in Revelation, and if you missed any of those messages, I want to encourage you to to just go back and listen, because uh, chapter 1 describes Jesus very extensively. Chapters 2 and 3 describe the church, and uh, they are a a very good litmus litmus test for you and me to see uh, where we are spiritually and what changes need to be made, if any. And so today, a new section opens here in chapter 4. And if you know anything about Revelation, uh, you may know what's coming. Um, beasts and battles and woes and weird and destruction and judgment and tribulation. Most of the time, when we think of Revelation, that's probably, that may be where our minds go. But I find it interesting That's not the first place after this foundation that's been laid in the first three chapters. That's not the first place that God's word goes. Remember the context. Uh, These churches, they were struggling in many senses. uh, Struggling against sin and compromise. Struggling against persecution. Struggling to endure and hold fast the faith even to the point of death. So how does God encourage them to do this? What do they need in the very depths of their hearts to stay the course? I mean, for that matter, uh, what do we need? Consider our own struggles, because we know we all have them. What do we need most when we struggle against sin and temptation? What do we need most when we struggle to stand for the truth in this world? What do we need most in the deepest places in our hearts? when We just struggle with our faith? Well, it's the same thing these early readers needed. And here in chapter 4, at this point, at the foundation of all that is coming, God shows them a picture of himself. And he tells them the same thing he tells us. To see our struggles in light of who he is. The first blank's on your outline. See your struggles in light of who God is. Revelation chapter 4 is only 11 verses. We start in verse 1. After these things, these things being the first three chapters, after seeing Jesus, after evaluating the church, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. The first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and sardius stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Verse 6, before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures, Full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night saying, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So we see here in chapter 4, it's uh, there's a lot going on. It's, uh, it's heavy, it's rich, but heaven's door is opened up just enough to where we can get a glimpse of what's going on. He said to John in the last part, the last half of verse 1, Come up here, I will show you things which, which must take place after this. And so at, at this point... It's not a beast or judgment or vengeance. What takes place is worship. What must take place? Worship. Now we've already seen incredible truths of who Jesus is. We have seen the strength and power of our God. Now we worship them because of it. The key word on your outline there is throne. It's used 14 times in chapter 4. It's a, it's a key word throughout this, this book. And everything in this chapter revolves around this throne. Psalm one oh three, nineteen. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. And so here in Revelation 4, he begins to make obvious and fulfill this truth. Notice first who sits on the throne. The next blank on your outline. Verse 2. Immediately I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he who sat there was like jasper and sardius stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. So who sits on the throne? It is God the Father, God the Father. Now we might guess it was Jesus, but we later see in chapter 5, Jesus approaches this throne. And while it is impossible for human words to describe him, John does the best he can with his limited vocabulary. His appearance is like jasper. That's a fine gem that looks like a diamond. Uh, Sardis Sardis is a precious stone that's red like ruby. And so these jewels describing God tell of his immense glory and opulence. And when we add this to 1 Timothy 6.16, that tells us that Jesus alone is immortal and dwells in unapproachable light, we, we can acknowledge that John is trying to describe the indescribable. Our magnificent God is sitting on his magnificent throne. Next, notice what is around the throne. The next blank on your outline. First, there is a rainbow. Uh, it's described in different shades of emerald green. Verse 3, He who, uh, who sat there was like jasper and sardius stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Now, that word around means from all sides, all around. And so, this rainbow is a ring, not a half circle like we see here, uh, probably because in heaven all things are complete. This, of course, reminds us of the first rainbow that God gave us as a covenant sign to Noah. Uh, God made a promise that he would never again destroy the earth by flood. And church, he has kept his promise. Uh, In fact, he keeps true to every one of his promises. And so this rainbow is a reminder of God's faithfulness. You can write that down. Great is his faithfulness and no matter what our world tells us that a rainbow stands for we know that it represents God's faithfulness we also see in that rainbow just like we see in the story of Noah we see a picture of God's mercy for his people in the midst of judgment here in Revelation judgment is coming but in Christ we find mercy just like Noah did and his family did through the ark And so it's a picture of God's faithfulness. Next, on the outline, we see lightning and thunder around this throne. Skip down to verse 5. From the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So just like we know uh, when the sky turns dark in the middle of the day that, that a storm is coming, so here a storm of judgment is coming. A similar description is given of God when he, when he met Moses on Mount Sinai to give him the Ten Commandments. You might remember, the people were not even permitted to touch the base of the mountain without being destroyed. But now, because of Jesus, we see grace. We don't have to be afraid of this storm because Jesus has already paid the price. And so, the thunderings and lightnings, they also represent God's faithfulness. They're a picture of God's faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness now let's not overlook the seven spirits of god this is the holy spirit not that there are seven holy spirits but but seven is a number of completion and so the holy spirit is here and i believe that the, the seven there refers to isaiah eleven two. you can check it out later so we have god the father on his throne surrounded by a rainbow and lightning and thunder and the holy spirit is there next we see there are also elders there the next blank on your outline Verse 4, around the throne were 24 elders, excuse me, 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. Now if you're like me, you kind of start to wonder who these elders are, and there are several explanations of who they are. Some say they represent uh, the 12 apostles and the 12 tribes of Israel. Others believe that they are angelic. I choose to believe the best explanation is that they represent the saints, the church, uh, the saved, those who have trusted in Jesus, because uh, we are described with the same white robes and crowns later on in chapter 5. And the redeemed sing the same song of praise. And so throughout this study of Revelation, we're not going to get caught up in, 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 you know, what, what people think they are. Who these people represent, the important thing is, whoever they are, they are worshiping God. They're worshiping God. And so if it is true, if these elders do represent the church, then ultimately they too are a picture of God's faithfulness to do what he said he would do. John 3.16, whoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have everlasting life. And God is being faithful to that promise. Great is His faithfulness. Finally, we see around the throne four living creatures. Pick it up in verse 6. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had the face of like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each have, having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. So here's where it starts getting weird, right? Uh, we saw similar creatures um, as part of the divine chariot back in Ezekiel chapter 1, you may remember. It was representing God's glory and magnificence. And one of the biggest surprises when Ezekiel saw them, uh, he was in a pagan place, he was in Babylon. And, and he probably thought, uh, now you're not supposed to be here, God. You're supposed to be back in the temple. And, and through this, we, we saw the truth that God is not confined to anything. He's not limited to one place or time. Um, church, he's not even limited to his throne. The theological term is omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere. He doesn't have to stay in one place if he doesn't want to. Nothing, nothing can keep him captive. Not even the boxes that we tend to put him in. And at the end of time, he will not allow anyone or anything to put him in a box. He will reign completely and nothing will even appear in the slightest bit to be able to stand against him. Now, I never noticed this until I read Warren Wiersbe's commentary on Revelation. The next blank on your outline, you may be able to guess what it says. These creatures too represent... God's faithfulness. Stay with me here, uh, because we've already mentioned the, uh, the, the covenant that God made with Noah through the rainbow. Uh, notice who this covenant promise is made to. It's not just to Noah. There's actually four categories. Uh, Genesis 9, follow as I read uh, 9 through 11. As for me, this is God speaking. Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you. And then he mentions the birds, the birds, Cattle, every beast of the earth with you. Of all the things that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth, thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. So notice those those four categories that, that God made a covenant with, not just with Noah, but with birds, with the cattle, and with every beast. Now go back to Revelation chapter four, and notice the four beasts there, how they're described. The first living creature was like a lion or like a beast, if we uh, connect it to Genesis. The second living creature was like a calf or the cattle here in in, uh, Revelation and um, in Genesis. The third living creature had the face of a man or Noah and his descendants. The fourth living creature was like a flying eagle or the birds. The same four categories. And so, even these strange creatures that we see around the throne of God, they also point us to his covenant faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. Our God keeps his promises. Now, another interpretation of these creatures is that they each illustrate a picture of Christ as seen in the Gospels, his kingship in Matthew, represented by the lion. His servant aspect, seen in Mark, represented by the calf. In Luke, we see him as the compassionate son of man, represented by the face of the man. And in John, we see his deity, represented by the eagle. But no matter what, however we translate, interpret these weird creatures, they point us to his faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. Our God keeps his promises. And perhaps that's the message that you need to hear this morning. Maybe you've been waiting for a long time for God to come through. And church, let me just tell you, it will be worth it. Great is His faithfulness. Keep the faith. Keep drawing closer to our faithful God. He will not fail He keeps His promises. Maybe the the weight of grief is pressing in on you. Your grief does not affect God's faithfulness. Great is His faithfulness in the midst of it. Maybe like these early churches uh, that we've been seeing, persecution and spiritual battles just keep on coming and hitting you hard. These battles don't change God's faithfulness. They make it even more valuable. Great is His faithfulness. We'd like to uh, share a song with you this morning that just speaks of his faithfulness. If you know it, you're welcome to, to worship with us. The song is, Great is His Faithfulness.
1: If you have felt the dark of night Questioning what is out of sight He is the answer, He is the light If you have felt the weight of sin Bound by the shame that's hemmed you in He'll break the chains. He will forgive. Was your name wrestled with the ache of loss And why this has been your road to walk He bore your pain, he
2: wore your cross In grief and in glory, still great is his faithfulness.
1: He is present, helper, keeper, great is his faithfulness, perfect. Sovereign Fortress, great is his faithfulness. Abba,
2: Father, comfort, great is his faithfulness. Redeemer.
0: All of heaven already knows this to be true, church. And so this picture of what we see here in chapter 4 is all of heaven just worshiping Him because great is His faithfulness. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. What do eyes do? They don't just fill a hole in your head. They see, and so they speak of our covenant God his foresight, and his wisdom. And notice what they say. They do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Church, when we woke up this morning, heaven was worshiping the one sustainer of the universe. In this exact moment, heaven is worshiping the one sustainer of the universe. When we go to bed tonight, heaven will still be worshiping and praising the one sustainer of the universe. He alone is worthy. He alone is faithful. He alone is almighty. We've seen that title for Jesus already, the almighty. Now it's used for God the Father. And we know that they are one and the same. Do you remember Almighty? It's a word that means he holds sway over everything. He is absolutely sovereign. What he says goes because he is the ruler of all. If he wants something to go one way, it will go that way unless he allows it to go another way. Almighty speaks of his power. There is nothing too difficult for our God. There's nothing that God needs to call back up on. There is nothing that our God needs help with. There is nothing that catches God off guard. He is almighty, He is sovereign, and He is holy. This is the picture of God that we see in chapter 4. He sits on His throne... He is the only one worthy to sit there. Around his throne is an emerald green rainbow reminding us of his faithfulness and his mercy that he keeps his promises. The saints are represented around this throne reminding us of his faithfulness to save those who trust Jesus and creatures that also represent his covenant faithfulness are there as well. Great is his faithfulness. We see the presence of the Holy Spirit and they're here to do one Verse 8 again, holy, holy, holy. Some translations put it there nine times. A word that means set apart with great reverence, respect, and incomparable majesty. It reminds us of Isaiah's throne room experience in chapter 6. And the fact that it's repeated here three times, at least three times, it just magnifies the depths of his great reverence and incomparable majesty. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sit on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So church, as we see the door of heaven open here in chapter 4, we see things that must take place. God must be worshipped. How would you define that word, worship? We might think of it as singing. And while that is part of it, it goes way beyond that. The actual word means to honor or show reverence as for a divine being or supernatural power. To regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, and devotion. So we could acknowledge that worshiping is exalting an object for its worth and making that object the focus of one's life. The last blanks on your outline. Everybody is worshiping something. Everybody's worshiping something. What's your something? What's first place in your life? What are you living for? Because the truth is, if you're living for it, then you're dying for it. Who or what sits on the throne of your heart? As we go into a time of invitation, would you just bow your heads and and close your eyes? We always like to ask two questions. You guys know them. What has God said to you? What are you going to do about it? Maybe you're here today and you just need to see your struggles in light of who God is. Maybe you just need to hear again, great is his faithfulness. No matter what you are going through, it doesn't change God's faithfulness. Maybe there's something that is sitting on the throne of your heart where God should be. What has God said to you this morning? What are you going to do about it? Lord, we invite you to come, and as always, Lord, uh, we thank you for meeting us right where we are and for loving us despite us. Lord, we thank you that um, there's more to the story, and whatever we're going through, it doesn't affect your faithfulness. Help us to cling to that, Lord. Help us to live for that. Lord, I lift up those who are here just burdened. Maybe it's their own doing. Maybe it's somebody else's doing. Help us to help us to trust great is your faithfulness. We lift up those who are sick and maybe watching or listening. Lord, help us to remember great is your faithfulness. We thank you for that truth. And we ask you to be with us as we leave this place and throughout this week. We love you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.